Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight, our formerly regular panelist, uh, quarter to three vlogger, Tom Check. Tom, welcome back to the show. Just want to know before we start, if at any time during this podcast anyone needs a coffee, let me know. I would be happy to oblige them. And also joining us tonight once again, uh, Three Moves Ahead intern and designer of civilization for Soren Johnson. Soren, welcome back. Hey, guys. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. I just wonder, have I, have I been on enough times now that I can make Tom feel bad for not showing up? <laughs> no. <That's> a, <laughs> I'm going to say no. It's not, it's but I will still you get you a coffee. <laughs> All right. I've been making coffee for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. It, it's true. He's, uh, Tom Chick is actually no longer freelancing. <laughs> He's finally you know, achieved his lifelong dream of being a barista. Thank you. I've got the green apron on as we speak. And tonight we're going to be talking about Age of Empires Online. Uh the free-to-play RTS from Microsoft and Gas Powered Games that somewhat resurrects the Age of Empires franchise or perhaps releases some sort of shambling zombie form of the series onto the landscape. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so so we've, all had some, we've all had a chance to play Age of Empires online a bit. Uh, what are your impressions so far, guys? Uh, so, I, so, Rob, you and I have both written about it. Uh, we're kind of above board as at this point we, we've showed our hand I, I don't think either of us is very fond of it uh, and I think for similar reasons but I've actually gone on record as saying um, and there's I don't deny there's a little hyperbole in this just like at any given time you can ask someone hey what's your favorite movie or what's your favorite shooter or, what's your favorite RTS if someone were to right now ask me what is the worst RTS ever made now, granted, there's no possible way that any game can qualify that for that any more than what's the best RTS ever made. But if someone were to ask me that, currently, where I am now, how I feel about Age of Empires Online right now, I would say that is the worst RTS that I've, I've ever played. Uh, now, obviously, there's some that are worse in def different ways, but the reasons that I dislike Age of Empires Online currently are, are, are they're, they're pretty forefront as to what I think uh, is I, I just think it's a, it's an abomination. I will go on record as saying that, and I'm not a fan of it. There you go. All right. I know. Rude. <laughs> That's rude. That's rude. I, I realize. <laughs> and I feel awful about this. Like, I don't take any glee in it because I, I really like the developers. And, Rob, you, you called it uh, gas-powered games. That's partly true. Before gas-powered worked on it, it was the creation initially of a group called Robot, uh, I think Robot Studios, Robot Games, uh, Robot Entertainment. Right, and weren't they? And they are some former Ensemble guys. Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, and I, I'm. I, I think both of them. I love what Ensemble has done in the past. I think Robot has a really good idea with their upcoming tower defense game, Orcs Must Die. I have really, really liked. I think Gas Powered has done a couple of my my favorite RTSs in recent years with Demigod and Supreme Commander Two. Uh, but regardless of this thing's pedigree, I just absolutely hate it. Yeah, I wish I knew the inside story there, or what happened exactly, because it's I, I I can't think of another example of a game sort of like jumping from one you know one developer to another like this. Um, and I, I am also a huge fan of Ensemble. The Age games were always my favorite RTS games, um, and the RTS game it, in the the core RTS game here is basically just as good as any of the other ones they've made, as far as I can tell. Um, Although, as far as I can tell, is is not a throwaway statement, right? I mean, big chunks of this game I have not seen yet and may never see. Right. I mean, so far, I mean, where, where I left things in 
you know, the first part of my review, having played it for about a week, is that I'd only unlocked the better part of the Greek civilization. Uh, and I and I still hadn't gotten a lot of these secondary units in in their tech tree, and I think that brings us to one of the big one one of my biggest problems with the game. And I suspect it's a problem we've all had. I can't think of a single game that parcels things out as piecemeal as Age of Empires Online does. There's some that have come close. Actually, I say close. There's some that have attempted that kind of model. Uh, most recently, I think of Command and Conquer Four. Uh, but Command and Conquer 4 used a completely different gameplay model where the limits of your power, like being limited with what you could do, was built into the gameplay because it was a team-based game where some players, uh, you know, the five people on your team, you are sort of making up for each other's weaknesses, emphasizing each other's strengths. It was based on five players with very limited capabilities working together. So the unlocking model, which also went much more quickly, you could unlock the content of that in a couple of evenings. Um, but it attempted something similar. But, but you're right, Rob, I can't think of any RTS that has parceled the content out so slowly. You know, plenty of RTS has parceled the content out during the single-player campaign, where you're playing the different missions and it gradually folds in the units. And, and that's fine. That's one way that a lot of people learn RTSs. But Age of Empires Online and Command & Conquer 4, by the way, do this for the multiplayer, for the skirmishes, and for the single-player storyline. Uh, it's, it, it's, it is unique in that aspect. Well, it's, I mean, I think in their mind, the, the game is as much an MMO as, as an RTS, which is why yep. I think to them, they think it's fine because you said you can't think of a game that doles out stuff so slowly. Well, pretty much every MMO doles out stuff much more slowly than Age of Empires Online does, um, you know, even however slow it goes. Um, but it, it's just such a strange fit. Um, well, I, I mean, I think, I think part of what's going on here is, and I've heard this a number of times from the Ensemble guys, is they say that, okay, you know, RTSs are generally put forward as multiplayer games. You know, that's where they really shine. Um, you know, with people who really care about StarCraft, that's what they care about. You know, they care about, you know, these league matches and this really intense competition, and people love playing RTSs in, you know, over lands, and, um, you know, that's, that's kind of like the core of the game. But in reality... You know, I don't know what the figures are, but something like you know, like 80% of the time people spend playing these games, they're playing these games single player. And if you're one of these people who you primarily look at the game as a single player game, um, I could see how Age of Empires Online, um, you know, can can work okay because it's it's not totally different than from than some other uh, single player campaigns we've seen in in other games. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like, for example, like the campaigns you might have seen in Rise of Legends or something, where you know, as the game goes forward, you're kind of choosing which which things you want to unlock as you go, um, and that'll kind of affect you know how you know what the um, specialty of your you know your troops as you go along, and you know there were there were some moments in you know when I was playing a you know the New Age game where um, you know it was kind of interesting. There was you know, that one map uh, or that one scenario where, you know, I was trying to fend off a large invasion, right? And I was having a hard time doing that until I got enough experience I got enough experience points to go up level, and I said, okay, you know what I really not need now is towers. So I grabbed towers, went back to do that scenario, and then, you know, and then I was able to beat it, right? And would, would this be the Defense of Crete mission? No. The demo no, mission no, for that? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. It was uh, it was just one of like. I'm guessing the, it was the pyramid one. There's a chain of command. There's a chain of quests where well, you have to defend pyramids while they're being worked, while they're being built, uh, and and you're being constantly attacked by by mobs of basically infantry. Right. It sounds like Tom and I played Egyptians, maybe. So you may have not seen these these uh, these missions, but right. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, it was a, it was a mission that I was having a really hard time with, and then I made a meta decision which gave me an edge, so I could beat the, that mission. And that's you know, that's that's pretty good gameplay right there. The big issue is like if you do want, when I did go into multiplayer, I mean, it's a pretty awful experience. You know, I mean, I jumped into, um, you know, I've been I was matched as like a you know level eight, level nine civ against like a level forty civ, and guess what? They had war elephants, and guess what? It, the match did not last very long, right? Um, and how... I mean, I just don't understand, like, how... How is that supposed to work? Like, because this is a pretty terrible experience. I'll, I'll tell you something. The, the matchmaking and the disparity in levels and the units you have available to you, it puts me in this... I mean, I, I felt like I was in this real ethical quandary, actually, when I was playing somebody a few levels below. Like, cause level <laughs> Did 10, you feel you bad it, about using the stuff that you uh, that you know they well, didn't have? Yeah, like, because if I was up against, like, a level 8 or 9, because at level 10, that's when the, se- when the basic siege techs unlock. So when I crossed into level 10, and if my opponent was below level 10, if I built a handful of guard towers, the game was over. I mean, there was, there was nothing they could do. Because uh, if you know infantry attacking fortifications, it's just it's a massacre. I mean, you need a ton of infantry, and if I have any kind of army, that's going to tilt the balance. So if I employed if I if I employed, if I employed towers, I was basically saying, okay, well, you guys can never win. Sorry, you know that's that's just the way it's going to be for this game. So did I do that or didn't I? And here's the, here's the horrible thing. Here's the here's the sick twisted part of their multiplayer. You only get experience if you win the match. <laughs> So <laughs> that's, co- that's close to true. I mean, you only get uh, the the resource for multiplayer if you win the match. You still get the experience points for killing his dudes, but you only get the faction grind. I think it's called Sparta points if you win the match. Right, there's right, a big but, bonus for winning. But, but you also get a huge experience. But you're right. I mean, the reason you're what. And the reason you're playing a multiplayer game is presumably you want those Sparta points. So you're right, you're absolutely right, Rob. It's not like you get nothing, but you don't get what you showed up for. Uh, so, so you're absolutely right in that that that's a horrible, I think, decision in the multiplayer that they've made and, for how they structure. And it. most of these games generally have a problem in that, you know, if you keep if people keep losing a game enough, they eventually just stop playing it, right? So, how do new players, um, you know, eventually become veterans? You know, it's like it's a pretty big hump to get over if they have to, you know, sort of eat rocks for a while until they get good. And this this game just elongates that process because, you know, you it's not just your skill that's holding you down. It's your lack of, you know, uh, a lack of the full range of options. Yeah, and that's that's actually so sore. And I just want to clarify on something that you said. You mentioned that MMOs do have this, a similar unlocking structure, but my point was that no RTS has done that before. So I, I sort of feel like that's the unprecedented thing: is that this is taking an RTS and applying that slow, drawn-out grind that works for MMOs and that plenty of people can enjoy, but that I think is completely counter to the appeal of an RTS. Yeah, and, and- well, you compared it to you compared it to Rise of Legends, uh, and Rise of Legends has that 
that cool campaign where as you're moving around, you're picking what units you want next and what you unlock. And I think the more recent example of that that a lot of folks are familiar with is StarCraft II. You know, StarCraft II, you're picking what you're going to spend your... I don't know, your Zerg DNA or whatever it is that you're earning on different things. However, the difference is those move at a much steadier pace. You get a more consistent, meaningful reward as you're playing. This game asks you to care about much smaller incremental oh, it rewards. It positively revels you on know, its triviality. What you're getting... <laughs> it does. And, and that, though, some people have said, well, you know, this game is aimed at casual players. And, and people who aren't into RTSs might enjoy that. But I kind of disagree because, like you said, Rob, it, rev it revels in this idea that you care about your towers doing 1.5% more damage. And I can't see that mattering that much to a casual player in an RTS. You know, you have to care that your farm has 5% more health even if you're not building farms, when you have a character in an MMO, whatever shoulder pads he's wearing, that's going to apply to what you're doing. You know, that, that extra 10% health from the shoulder pads, you have that always. It's with you. It matters. But if you are just incrementally increasing these little tiny units that you may not use or buildings that you may not build or you're getting little rewards for archers that you maybe haven't even unlocked yet, I just think the whole unlocking structure, which might work for an MMO, just works terribly uh, I here. Uh, and I, I don't think I don't think it's well, casual. Fun. Yeah, and and I Go think ahead, we also sorry. need to talk about here what's the what's I guess the overall value of the standard RTS format. The standard RTS format being you know the way the Age games play, the CNC games play, the Starcraft plays, mm -hmm. uh, Starcraft Warcraft plays. I mean you know this this the standard format that we're all familiar with. Um, there's there's a reason those games kind of evolved to be that way, but it seems like such a such a poor fit for you know a game that requires persistence, grinding, um, you know even potentially microtransactions, which we haven't even got to yet. But let's let's compare. Well, for, first of all, you mentioned seen, uh, uh, Command and Conquer Four, uh, which is not a game I've I've played really at all. Um, but you mentioned that the specialization was was meant to be played in the contents context of a large match where it's like five against five, and Yep, it's yep. it's interesting because in that case, I think that really lessens the impact of of you of um, one particular player lacking a certain item or not. Right, the more people you get involved in the match, you know, the less important it is that everyone has every specific item. Um, but in you know, in Age of Empires Online, you're stuck with simply duels and two v two matches. Right, which really, really just makes the problem even worse. But but compare it even more to some. Uh, games that really started push, pushing the boundaries of, of RTS. And I'm thinking of like a game like uh, World in Conflict. You would be, I think, something that would fit this well. But especially something like League of Legends, right? Because uh, League of Legends is really sitting in the exact same format as Age of Empires Online. Um, but, you know, because you're focusing on, you know, a single character and it's, yeah, it's like probably, you know, five people on each side, um, it's not so, it doesn't make that great a difference whether you have. Uh, you know, a fully upgraded set of ruins or not, right? I mean, they, they just, you know, it, it, it all kind of fades in the background, and they can do some some good matchmaking to balance that out. Where um, uh, Age seems to have committed itself to the sort of classic 1v1 or 2v2 format, and I, I just don't know how that'll ever, how that'll ever work. 
Well, I, th- I, di- they're, they're, I think there are kind of two distinct types of RTS experiences like you're talking about. Command & Conquer 4 is very much based on world and conflict like you mentioned, and that has a lot in common with a what are called MOBAs, like like Legion of Legends yes. and Defense yes. of the Ancients. And they're, they're very much, you are on a team, you are only 20% of the equation, actually technically 10% when you consider the other team. So you are within that little wiggle room, you're doing what you can. But in a traditional RTS, and this is what Age of Empires has always been, you are 50% of the equation. And you have a lot more wiggle room. Your decisions, of course, therefore matter all the more. And the very nature of Age of Empires Online's structure is that your decisions are hamstrung by how much you've already played. Uh, the, the, the metaphor that I've used is imagine you're playing chess, but you only get pawns. You have to play 20 matches of chess with nothing but pawns, and then you get a bishop. Now you have to play 20 more matches with only pawns, one bishop, and then you get a knight. And, and, and for me, you mentioned, you used the word the value of RTSs. For, for me, Soren, I don't know that this is applying to the, the, the term you're using, but for me, the value of an RTS, it's two things. Of course, it's real time. It's that, that sort of feeling of this isn't something that I can sit and ponder. There's a little bit of, uh, there, there's some reflexes involved. It's quick thinking. It's, uh, you know, it feels different than a turn-based game. But the other part of the equation, of course, is the strategy game. So that when I begin, there are this, there's, there's going to be a web of decisions that I am going to navigate over the course of this match. And that web of decisions is very exciting to me. You know, am I going to, at at the very basic level of the decision, am I going to rush boom or turtle? You know, that's the standard thing for most RTSs. Uh, Here, I can't decide that until I've played for a long time because I don't have the text to rush I don't have the tech to, to boom. Uh, I don't have the towers, the walls to turtle yet. Like, I have to play to unlock all that stuff. The value of an RTS is having that great web of decisions open to me from the get-go. Uh, and Age of Empires Online doesn't give me that, and it doesn't give me that for a long time. And even as I'm playing, it asks me to commit to one chain of decisions every single time I play. And that re- repetition kills the experience for me. I've played so many matches of Age of Empires Online, just kind of twiddling my thumb, waiting for me to get enough wood to build my chariot archers, which are the units I've unlocked, and so that I can then get enough food to get a couple of war elephants out. All of that I do over and over at the beginning of every match without without any variation. Uh, and that, to me, is not what I like about an RTS. That's not the value of an yeah, RTS. I- being locked into that before. Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and um, yeah, I mean, essentially when you're playing, when you as you choose your upgrades, I mean, you're forcing yourself to always play essentially the same way. And, you know, I, I really wonder, I really would, it'd be interesting to hear how they were discussing this project when they began it. Because I, I can imagine this issue coming up, and I perhaps someone brought up, and I think this is probably true, that I think most people do tend to play a specific RTS always kind of the same way. You know, I think they get generally very good at one specific strategy. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that that this was the right way to design this game. Though, you know, I, I really, I really think that at you know at the beginning, knowing that everyone was going to have sort of a different sieve and people would be at these different levels, um, that they should have chosen a different format. You know, one where it it, it would be much more easy to involve five, you know, at least five people aside, or even more. Um, I mean, theoretically, that would be possible. It would just, you know, it would be such a huge, sprawling um, game with that many people involved that, you know, it would be kind of messy. Um, there's one, there's one caveat though, which is, I do wonder if part of the issue is that there simply aren't enough people playing the game, right? 
um, which is kind of a which is means that they they could potentially be in really big trouble. I don't know, but all I know is when I when I did try to play some some matches, you know, auto match. Um, I mean, the disparity b between the levels were, could be huge, right? I remember once I like I mentioned earlier, I was like level eight or nine, and there was a level forty on the other side. I can't imagine that their matchmaking system did that unless it was forced to, because there was literally just no one else looking to play the game. Right. And um, so, it, I mean, I'm trying to be generous to the design here. It could be that this format could work if there were the quantity of people playing this as are playing StarCraft 2. Okay, but hang on, though. If they're, if they're having a problem with, like, there aren't enough players playing it, I would again say, well, that probably goes back to the game. Uh, when I was when when I was playing, oh, that's true. That's some good good logic there. <laughs> so so I mean, I was playing it uh, before it was released, and you know, I mean, the people the people who were playing that last week before release were a mix of true believers uh, or people who just gotten just gotten keys and were checking it out. And then on launch day, I mean, launch day was just launch day was an absolute insanity. Like the 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 global chat window just became this Lord of the Flies, uh, you know, human sewer uh, in in the lower left corner of your screen. But the other thing I saw is just tons and tons of people uh, logging in, puttering around, and then saying, you know, oh, so this this isn't Age of Empires. I, you know, I love Age of Empires. This game sucks. I'm quitting. And I I kind of wonder like. You know, this is this is the kind of incoherence at the at the heart of this game. On the one hand, like you said, Soren, it is an Age of Empires game. Like if you can if you can grind enough levels, you can unlock a you know a pretty decent Age of Empires game. But the thing is, I'm not sure the people who would enjoy a game like that are going to stick around for all this grinding. I don't think they did stick around for all that grinding. I think the reason you find like a level forty waiting for you on the other end of the matchmaking is because he, you know, there's there's someone who just really enjoys like grinding these matches and you know playing quick turnaround. But a lot of the people who are supposed to fill out that middle bracket just bailed out completely. Right. Yeah. I imagine the designers of this game could potentially feel very frustrated um, because. Um, they've probably des designed all these dynamics that internally they've had fun with because they can just play with fully unlocked sims, right? Um, but uh, but they kind of are probably aware that n almost everyone who plays this game will never see these dynamics, right? Um, they either won't get far enough or they'll, they'll give up or just the fact that, you know, okay, fine, they unlocked all of the Egyptian sieve, but are they going to spend the same amount of time unlocking all of the Greek sieve? Or supposedly they're going to keep releasing new sieves regularly, right? Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Well, that's, that's, they do have aspect. plans to, oh, well, I was going to say they do have plans to release, I think that the two upcoming sieves, the Celts and the Persians, you actually start them at level 20. So for whatever reason, they knew in advance that they, they wanted to, to offer people an alternative to, to grinding the, the, the early parts. Uh, and I don't know what the thinking is there. I think they call them, like right now, Bro. you can play free-to-play. If you Yeah, exactly. So if you pay, it's then called a premium sieve. And then if you buy one of these sieves that's unlocked already at level 20, it's called a pro sieve. Um, so, so I think somewhere someone knew that some people weren't going to want to grind and those people just have to wait <laughs> until yeah. the other sieves come. Well, they out. they have said that you. I mean, I'm looking at the page right now that describes what's available for free and what's available for premium. They've said that you'll be able to play every civilization for free. So probably what probably ah. the way it works is probably those sieves don't unlock until you get your own civilization to maybe level 20 or something. That would be my guess. Um, but because I can't imagine they'll just 
give them away, give those civs away to free to new players who otherwise would be stuck at level one, you know, for the Egyptians or whatever. Well, now, but before we talk about the business model, because I do want to talk a bit about that, I'm curious if you guys, what do you, what ideas do you have about what could be done to to fix this? Like, do, if you were in charge, Soren and Rob, let's say you guys they hire you each, like Soren, Rob, get in here. We're we know some people don't like this. Fix this. What do we do? What would you right. guys do? Well, the first thing the first thing I would do is I would make sure that pro option is there from day one. Make sure that if you know I love RTSs. If I have to spend like you know ten fifteen bucks a piece to start each of these civs at level twenty. You know, if it's a cool RTS, I will happily pay like, you know, 30 or 40 bucks and have a multiplayer RTS that, you know, I can I can play with a big community. I would happily do that. What absolutely killed me, and I think it killed a lot of people, I think it killed us, is the fact that they parcel it out and they force you to do this grind. Not just with one civilization, but with all the civilizations, which is just lunacy to me. Uh, so I mean I think the first step in the first step in fixing it is making sure that you have you can opt out of that with money, which I thought was the entire point of the free to play model. Right. Yeah, I don't know why they're not. I mean, there's just I don't know why they're not following the example of League of Legends more. Right. I mean, it seems like the original Age of you know Age of Empires, Age of Kings games, they all had Age of Kings probably had 15 civs, right? So you know, make one sieve available for free each week, and all the other sieves, you know, you have to pay to unlock. Um, and that, and the free sieve rotates every week, right? I mean, that, that's that's what now, I would do. I mean, I think it. And it, I think it maybe. I think it's you would then. Go ahead. You, you would sacrifice your gear model, though. Yes. Like, would would players then have to grind away at each sieve to to equip units with new gear uh, and unlock uh, the different things? Of course, we get rid of the unlock, but do you also sacrifice that MMO gear model that they're using. Right. Well, that's the problem, and I think this this gets to kind of a larger issue that I wanted to raise. Like, I think. I think what's going on here, I mean, it, there's there's one thing that's been affecting, I think it's safe to say been affecting the entire game, gaming world for the last four or five years as we've been going online. And I think this issue is why they can't pull away from what they're starting to do. And that's the issue of persistence. You know, as, as we go online, people are just starting to get used to the fact that when they play something, they feel like they should be getting something out of it. You know, there should be some bar filling up, something... Um, some experience points that go up, some gear they're gaining, some loot that's dropping, something that's going to make them, you know, progressively move forward. And you know, you know, this is a game that's that's built around that. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's something they can't really, it's something they can't really back away from once kind of the the genie's out of the bottle, right? Um, and uh, you know, League of Legends has persistence in the sense that you. Um, you know, you gain these points that you can spend on these sort of generic upgrades, but they're not necessarily tied to, um, you know, any one character or any one any one race, so that you're you're tied in. Whereas, um, you know, Age of Empires has this much more complicated. You've got this home city, and you've got all these buildings, and there's all this crafting and and gear and all this other stuff. And um, you know they're really going full into this kind of you know this concept of of persistence and that you know it rewards you for coming back every day and you know you'd be able to spend your points on stuff but oh some of these stuff even though you have you know even though you have the currency to spend it on you can't spend it because you haven't unlocked a premium civilization um i mean it's 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 not something they can back away very easily from and I, I think they've also adopted uh, – th they've got this weird approach where they've looked at other, I think, games as inspiration 
and and use that for persistence and it's got it's this weird stew that doesn't really fit any one game that uses elements from different kinds of persistent games and it's this Frankenstein monster to me like I see elements I see what they're doing with their little farm bill thing where they want you to build your own city and put decorations in it I see what they're doing with you know you mentioned the the glyphs in League of Legends Soren I see how they're they're doing that with all the little gear upgrades which is like equipment in, in an MMO uh, I think they also want people's cities to be kind of like StarCraft II has this great uh, concept with a profile page yes. where you set up your profile picture and you can choose which three achievements you want to highlight. I think they, they sort of – and people love that. I certainly love that. And I think they want to do a little bit of that with their city screen where you can pick – you can put monuments down. Um, but I, I think it just needs more work. It needs to be better tied together to work. For instance, it's such a nightmare to craft stuff. And to buy upgrades because you can't look – when you're looking to buy something from a store, you can't look at what you've already got equipped. Yeah, and, it's so, and that right there – Let me interrupt you for a second because I actually, I actually wrote, yeah, yeah, wrote this ahead. down before we started the podcast because the, the, the crafting system must be the most – I mean, maybe other games are like this and I've just never hit this, but it must be the most complicated thing I've ever seen in, in a game. Um, like what you have to go through to buy recipes and blueprints and, and get these different buildings. Yep. And they seem, there seem to be redundant buildings, but I guess they're not. Like, for example, so there's the general store that you start with where you can buy some sort of basic upgrades and some basic blueprints, right? So one of the things you could buy was a blueprint for the construction store. And the little tooltip told me that this construction store sold blueprints, okay? But then I realized I also had this other store that was called a blueprint store which also sold blueprints. And I thought, okay, well, this is probably just a little typo, right? But no, actually, the blueprint store sold blueprints for recipes, and the construction store sold blueprints for, for workshops. And the blueprints from the recipe store sells, recipe, uh, sells blueprints for, um, uh, like, a cavalry recipe store or the infantry recipe store. But these are useful, useless without actually having the cavalry school which is only unlocked at the crafting school, which is a whole other building. And and so while there are all these uh, blueprints and recipes available, they're only necessarily valuable if you actually have the crafting school, which can only unlock one type of school. So basically 70 or 80% of them you can't use anyway. Um, I mean, I just... And what I think what they should have done there and what when I first started playing, I was like, ah, very clever. I see what you guys are doing is that maybe I have a cavalry school. Rob, you've got a crafting school. Soren, you've got the priest school. So we visit each other's cities and buy stuff from each other's stores. When I first saw that, I was like, that's ingenious. And then I started going to other people's cities and realized, wait a minute, I, I can't do that. <laughs> that's not – so, so they have this framework for something that I think could have maybe worked and it's just so – it's put together so poorly, and it seems like these these cool ideas nobody implemented. Yeah, I mean just uh, – So this this convoluted system that you're describing, Soren, could be a great – it could – to create interdependencies, that could be a great hook. And it just goes yeah, nowhere. Instead, it's, a, it's an interface. Yeah, and as a, as a designer, I mean I can't emphasize enough like how – hard it is for people to grasp these type of complicated systems. You need some sort of very simple yeah. metaphor for people to hang their hat on. Like I just described basically five or six different buildings where you buy stuff with. And no one's going to know right off the top of their head what's the difference between a construction store and a blueprint store or a recipe store or a workshop or a crafting school. What's the difference between the crafting school and the workshop, right? I mean, the, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like you, you basically they need to split these into like, 
two things. There should be a store, which is where you buy things, and a workshop, which is where you make things, and there's nothing else, right? It, it seems like they had all of these other things because they just knew they needed stuff to fill up the home city with. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, yeah. it, this yeah. could maybe have worked. I'm not even convinced of that because I still don't. I still don't want the hassle of like, well, let's visit everyone on my friends list and see what you know tchotchkes I can put on my troops from from their cities. I'm still not even sure that concept works for me. But what really just absolutely destroys it is we can't just have a simple you know two simple menus that you can lay out side by side on the screen you know for crafting and building new stuff. No, no, no. We've got to go through this cutesy baroque. Uh, system where you know you just fill your city with these you know adorably adorable little buildings scattered to hell and gone, and then you got to navigate this this nightmare this nightmare you know metropolis you've created, and figure out okay so now I'm going to run over to the what is it the supply store you build raw materials and okay I need I need materials for this other stuff I'm crafting, and so you're just scrolling around and looking you're looking through all this stuff, you know just just to do something that's fundamentally very simple. I want a new helmet for my infantry. Give me one. And the game just doesn't the game refuses to make it that easy because it's got to have this little this little meta game. And I think that will kill the appeal to casual players like Soren is talking about. I mean, like I said when people say, you know, this isn't for hardcore RTS players, this is to expand the player base. I I right off think that that's one of the first obstacles that a casual player is going to run into and never get past. And the game does nothing to help them get past it. I mean, this may sound bizarre, but this part of the game is actually for hardcore Farmville players. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I wanted to raise with you guys, because I also wanted to see if you'd had a similar reaction. Uh, So obviously Age of Empires Online is meant to be expanded incrementally. There's these plans for these these future content packs. Um, But... In, in yet another example of, you know, I, just just the strangeness of this project, you know, I'm I'm staring at the uh, GFW marketplace right now, and I'm looking at the special launch offer offer for this game is forty dollars, and that gets you the uh, defensive Crete and the premium Greek and premium Egyptian civs, uh, and then the season one pass, uh, which gives you the upcoming content, the uh, Celts and the pro Persian civs, uh, th- that's running for a hundred dollars. Uh, so I, I wanted to get your, I wanted to get your guys' impression of the pricing and whether you think that do you, do you think they're do you think they're on the right track here or I, I'm trying to figure out the logic behind this. Well, I think I think this game it's hard to describe this game as anything more than an experiment because it's it's really just occupying this really unique space and I think I think they're kind of caught in this position where like okay we're making a free to play RTS uh, an MMO RTS like I guess. Um, and they're they're in order to make that business model work, someone had to, you know, kind of make an, a pitch for how much money this game was supposed to be able to make, right? And uh, if you look at most of the free-to-play games, um, there's this big power curve of where the money comes from, you know, where you know maybe as as low as two to three percent of the people uh, spend the money uh, or, or actually put forward some money for the game, but beyond that. You know, inside of that two, two to three percent, most of the money is coming from this tiny percentage of people, which could spend actually thousands of dollars on the game, right? And so, one of the challenges for free-to-play games is if you don't have a viable case for how you know your whales is what they're called. If you don't have a viable case for how you're going to be able to attract some whales who are going to be able to spend thousands of dollars on your game, there's no way that you're going to be able to extrapolate out to um, 
a, a product that's actually going to generate income. Um, and uh, because, yeah, okay, sure, maybe you can get uh, five percent of the people to spend, you know, fifteen or twenty dollars, but you know, at the end of the day, that's that's simply not going to be enough money. Um, and so, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but I have this feeling like, you know, when they did the math, I, I think that the, their system doesn't necessarily have enough uh, repeatable purchases in it. Purchases in it, and I think, I think part of that may be, um, right. like I remember um, when we had our GDC panel, um, uh, Ian Fisher was on it, and he, um, who he's a designer at Robot, and he worked on all the Age game or most of the Age games, and he was one of the designers on Age Online, um, and he talked about how he wanted people to think of this game as a mac as a macro transaction game, not a micro transaction. You know that you made. You you made like a ten or fifteen or twenty dollar purchase that gave you a lot of stuff. You know they they weren't nickel and diming you, um, but I think the reality is free to play games work because they are nickel and diming you. You know that it, that it is. There's, there's no model here for for whales to come in and support their game, is there? Right, and it, so I, I have a feeling that you know when they did the math, they realized okay if we're if we don't have enough of these repeatable purchases and we we think that you know maybe five percent of people are going to spend money on it, well then. The prices have to be this in order to make it work out. But of course, I mean that's <laughs> you know that at least issues. The prices are too high. People just aren't going to buy it. So I mean I'm just I'm just totally speculating. I really have no idea. But like I, I assume these are probably the kind of some of the issues they're going to have to discuss. You know every um, every free to play game has to be that's going to work has to be built around this idea of a repeatable purchase. Um, and that, that's the reason why I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the games industry shakes out over the next four to five years, because, um, you know, there's a lot of people who have um, sort of a lot of fear that free-to-play games are kind of going to take over everything, you know, and everything is going to, um, you know, basically going to get turned into something that, that has some sort of free-to-play or microtransaction model attached to it, right? Um, because the truth is there is simply, there's a ton of money to be made there. It really, it really widens your audience. Um, and I think to some case that that's true. You know, every major publisher, um, every major major franchise is going to get involved free to play, is going to take advantage of the model. But the truth is that there are some game designs that just don't fit that model and probably never will. Right. Um, I mean, look at look at Starcraft, for example. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's sort of the classic example of a finely tuned RTS where really you really can't take away any units. Everything is perfectly meant to fit together, right? And I just, I don't know how you could turn that into an, into a free-to-play game in, in any way, you know? I mean, maybe you could, you know, let everyone play the Terrans and, you know, you'd pay money to unlock, um, you know, the Zerg and the Protoss, but first of all, that's not repeatable. Second of all, that's a huge issue. I mean, if 90% if of the people online were only playing the Terrans, right, I mean... Uh, I mean that that would be just a, a huge problem for the game, um, and so I think there's there's as more and more stuff goes free to play, the game design is going to be sort of inevitably bending itself towards that business model. But what that's going to do is that's going to open up a lot of space for games that simply can't be made because they don't fit that model. But what's going to happen there is kind of something similar to what I think we're seeing happening for you know, what used to be kind of the mid-tier games in that, you know, independent developers and uh, smaller publisher developers like Stardock or Paradox um, are going to step in and have all this, this free space for themselves to play because they don't necessarily have to pursue a free-to-play model because they essentially make the games they want to make instead of, you know, like EA and Activision having to make the games that, 
you know, have are, are essentially the most profitable. Does that make sense? And, and thinking of that, Soren, isn't there uh, isn't there a demo of StarCraft II that you can play where you do get like you can only play the Terrans and uh, what, does either of you know what the demo of StarCraft II offers? Yeah, it was interesting because I, someone when the first time I saw that someone described it as like StarCraft II goes free to play, but the more you read about it, right, you're right. like, <laughs> well, actually, this is just a very extensive demo, right? You know, which is not. And that's kind of how I feel about uh, Age of Empires Online's model is I don't really look at this as free to play. The very and, and hearing you talk about it sort of illuminates why this is Soren, but it, it feels more like a game that you get a demo of. Uh, and then you have to buy it because there isn't support really for those repeatable transactions. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think that kind of so, caught. I think they're kind of caught halfway, you know, which is I think a dangerous place yeah. to be. So, so Rob, in, in in me answering your question about whether how I feel about the the pricing model, I in in theory don't mind it, but but I feel like I'm being kind of double billed. For instance, if I pay $20 for the Egyptians, fair enough. But then the thing is, I really resent, and this just gets back to my main problem with the game, I really resent then also having to pay time yep. as well as that money. I, I feel like I've paid my 20 bucks. Give me my content, you jerks. And instead, I've got to grind away and spend time. Uh, now, And if it was one or the other... I think that would be pretty insidious. If I were to jump into Age of Empires Online and start playing the Egyptians and think, well, and this is how League of Legends works, by the way, I could then think, well, I can either grind away and unlock this stuff, or I can just give them 20 bucks and get it now. That's how League of Legends works, in that you earn, I forget, there's like riot points, there's different kinds of points, one of them... You can just you earn by playing and by well paying beyond money. that beyond uh, that every time was, you play a hero in Legends you're playing the full hero you know you're not playing some gimp version of the hero absolutely but their their model is the stuff that you can spend real money on you can also eventually earn by grinding by just playing the game earning points uh, so if there was a if there was some analog to that in Age of Empires Online I think that would have been enormously effective because I look at this grind and I resent it all the more because I've paid twenty bucks if I didn't pay twenty bucks I could sort of think well I'm getting away with a free game so this is kind of a cool deal uh, League of Legends tricks you that way and there's nothing like that well you know this brings me back to, the, to uh, Rob's uh, earlier question about is there a way to fix this and actually you know if I think about it I think I think potentially there is you just unlock all the units and build you leave everything else, right. but you you just or you find some much faster way to unlock them all, right? Like I think in theory it's very interesting to um, you know be kind of deciding you know should I am I going to have cavalry or am I going to have towers or going to have this? But I think I think that fits a single player game much better. And you know unless this is seen as primarily a single player game, like I think that just doesn't doesn't work here because I think I think it still is like the. The idea of persistence is still very powerful. I think it's still cool to think like I'm fighting these battles, I'm earning XP, and that's going to make my uh, civilization stronger, right? But but there should be more parity between the civs. You know, right now it feels like um, you know a level, you know, it feels like a level 40 civ. If I'm a level 10 and they're a level 40, it seems like they're, you know, it seems like they're essentially, you know, four or five times better than I am. Whereas it seems like that ratio should be more like, yeah, they're in like 50% better. You know, if things if things somehow turned in my favor, I could win. Right now, it, it seems like there's pretty, it should be more like baseball instead of football, maybe. Although I don't know if Tom will understand that comparison. But uh, I, uh, yeah, it's one of those you <laughs> kick the ball and the other you got to stick and you whack it on the ice. Well, I, I mean, in football, a better team will beat a, a, a worse team 
you know, almost every game essentially. Like, but in, in baseball, even the best teams are going to lose, you know, 30 to 40, 30, 40% of the time. Um, what, why do people even watch baseball then? That's, that makes baseball sound lame. Uh, well, I, I prefer baseball. I mean, it's much more interesting. You don't know, you don't know how things are going to turn out. You know, there's more drama. They should just, you know what? On um, baseball, they should just gather at the, the, the thrower's mound and roll dice. <laughs> well, that's like comparing poker to chess. I mean, it's, uh, you know, but you're being facetious. Right. So I'll, I'll, I completely, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. just leave it be. <laughs> so one thing I wanted to raise with you both, uh, because I, I, I have been looking at other reviews and how this game has been received and, I haven't seen that many really negative opinions. I've seen a lot of sort of middling to positive uh, reviews of the game. But one thing that interests me both in those in a lot of those reviews and in some and in some forum chatter is that there are a lot of people who just approach this game in a completely different fashion than I do. The the, the complaints we we have they just absolutely don't care about. There's a lot of people who like the sort of you know unplug your brain and just grind some RTS levels. There's a lot of people who actually, when I when I bring this up with them, they would specifically say, well, I can't play RTSs. I like RTSs, but I can't play them. I, you know, they're all too hard for me. They're all too frantic. You know, Age of Empires Online is an RTS for me. Uh, do, do you think that, to an extent, we're just we're, we're we're kind of locked into our vision of what we want these games to be, and there's another audience that this game is speaking to? One interesting ahead, comparison sorry. might be WoW, I think, because um, I mean one of the one of the key factors that that made WoW succeed was how how much they embraced the fact that there's a lot of people who, while they wanted to play an online game, they essentially wanted to solo, right? They didn't want to deal with other people; they just wanted to play the game at their own place in their own way, so on and so forth. And it could be that there is a, like a silent majority here that gives Age Online some success, which is those people who play RTSs really just as single-player games. And as far as I can tell, that's actually the majority of people who buy them. Um, and so for those people, maybe the grinding is too slow in, in Age Online, but, but the core model could work if they keep making interesting scenarios. Um, and uh, you know, then it's, it's really kind of just a level design problem. And I would say for all those people, they're playing the wrong game. If there's anybody who finds themselves uh, just kind of enjoying piddling around and doing stuff, I, I guarantee you that I could probably recommend either a city builder or an RTS that would appeal to to what they're enjoying even better. But isn't, uh, the, isn't the same thing true of people who play WoW instead of playing The Witcher 2? Not really, because WoW does really. I mean, that that whole grind aspect, that whole laid back single player grind. You know, Witcher Two doesn't give you that. Yeah, well, that, like, exactly, and that's what I'm saying. The these better RTSs right. you're referring to do not give people that. So for people, well, for people who want this persistence, Age Online is one of their only options right now. And I would say, I would say, Age of Empires Three gives you that. Uh, I don't know because it has, it has the. You know what? I I I have ground. Away, well, yeah. maybe an hour at Age of Empires three. Now, here's the thing, though, Soren. It, it, its persistence isn't as front and center as it is here. So, so I absolutely would grant you that. That here, the persistence is sort of pushed in your face the moment you log in. You have to kind of dig a little bit into Age three. But I, I think Age three. Now, and and here's the weird thing, is these people like like Rob, you're mentioning, who just kind of are 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 digging the sort of the laid back part of it. I think that they are being confronted with a relatively hardcore RTS, 
And, you know, the, the, the economic model in Age of Empires Online is really actually pretty finicky. You know, with four resources, with serious peon management, uh, and maybe if you're not p playing competitively, it's not a big deal, but the bottom line is this is still a very finicky, economically-based RTS. And I think there are plenty of other RTSs that just go straight to more of, look, I want to have fun building a base and an army kind of thing. Uh, StarCraft II, for instance, you know, with just the two resources, and you're looking at these these cool sci-fi kind of things move around. And uh, so, so I, I think that what what these people who are enjoying it, you know, anybody who's enjoying it, that's great. I don't want to deprive them of it, but I can't help but think how much more they would enjoy other RTSs like Age of Empires three, uh, something like Ruse, which lets you just shuffle around units and watch them do cool stuff. Certainly StarCraft II, which just has a lot of personality. Uh, I just can't help but think that, you know, that they could be playing something that doesn't have that really convoluted crafting interface in their face that doesn't require so much grinding for such minimal rewards. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think there's just something that's something powerful about the game that that has persistence and is also clearly an online game where you you know you know your friends are going to be there they're going to see what you have you're going to see what they they have um i mean that's not necessarily something that, that appeals to everyone it doesn't really appeal to me a huge amount but like i think people will pass over better strategy games for that type of persistence right there's something else i mean you know the entire time i was playing age vampires online i found myself wondering really you were talking about there's there's obstacles to making the RTS in general a free-to-play game that have to be overcome before you can do that successfully. But I was also wondering, how much an obstacle is having to buy a game, really? I mean, it, you know, with the exception of StarCraft, which is still, I think, like $50, uh, 50 or $60, you know, most RTSs, I mean... You know what can you pick Age of Empires three up for? What can you pick uh, Age two up for? Uh, Ruse routinely goes on sale for fifteen. Uh, it it just seems it just seems strange to me that there's this focus on removing this removing this barrier on price, and yet in a lot of ways I would say that that price has never been lower. It's, it's really trivial. Uh, you know, within a few months of a game's release, if if you want that, you know, especially if you want that low key solo experience. Uh, but, but right. Well, that's 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 actually the problem. Um, I mean, it's not the consumer who's deciding which games get made; it's the publishers, right? And um, like, here's here's a question: Is this the only way we're going to see another age game? Right, in the sense that they can make they can make this. You know, when they made the pitch, like we'll see how much money they make off of this, or maybe we won't, but someone will. But when they made the pitch, you know, they could at least perhaps extrapolate out to you know, a certain revenue number that they probably simply couldn't if they were talking about the traditional $50 box product, right? Like, I, I think that, you know, RTSs, selling, selling RTSs in boxes is just, it's not a good business model if you're a major publisher. And, um, like, I, I mean, I think you're absolutely right from the consumer's point of view. There's tons of great strategy, strategy games to be played. Um, you know, more and more all the time as, as all these, like, you know, sort of little small games we were talking about last week come out. Um, but for these big franchises, and it's it's a real shame to think this might be true that you know we can't see an we can't see a traditional age game anymore, you know I, I don't know what it means. I mean you know what are the you know there's basically three major um, RTS franchises right the, the Craft series, the Age of series, and the Command and Conquer series right, and it, it could be that there's only one left, but we'll see you know you know reliably come out as a box product anymore. 
Yeah, I, I have to say though, as a consumer, I don't, I don't really, I don't mean to be flippant, but that that doesn't really matter to me because I still have Age of Empires three. Uh, you know, I, that's one of the things I got from playing Age of Empires online was, man, Age of Empires three was great. I'm going to go reinstall it. Yeah, but they won't, uh, they won't be so, making games like that anymore, right? They'll, there may never be an Age of Empires four, and I mean, in some sense, that's fine. Like you said, you'll still have right. Age of Empires three, but it matters to some people, I think. Well, you know what? I think, you know, Relic is still making RTSs. Blizzard yes. will do a Warcraft 4 eventually. Like, right. I, I mean, I mean, I, I mean they'll maybe still, I might just... Yeah. I mean, there'll still be RTSs, but, I mean, I just... I mean, this is interesting, because if this game was bundled... If the core game was bundled up with a, a number of sieves and was sold, you know, was sold on Steam for 50 bucks, I'd buy it now, absolutely. Like, I think that, you know, the right. core RTS gameplay is fantastic, you know? Um, but Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, but I, I, they're not allowing me to do that, right? This is a um, this is a, a strange development, right? We we do have another one similar coming up. Rob, do you know much about End of Nations? Have, did you see it at E3, or have you been following their development? Uh, I actually did a, p- a preview of it uh, for PC Gamer, uh, and I and I so I visited I visited Petroglyph I think back in like March or April. Uh, so, so I spent the day playing the playing the tactical mm-hmm. side of the game. I didn't get a chance to play around with any of the uh, the meta game, and at that point, they were still saying that they were going to be subscription game. Uh, so, so a lot of things have changed since I've seen it. But yeah, yeah, I, I've puttered with it a bit. And and what are your feelings about? Uh, how do you feel they might pick up the slack, or Age of Empires Online kind of uh, drop the ball? To to mix metaphors. <laughs> well, I mean. It seemed to me from from visiting it, the, the focus was very much just on part of it's hard to judge because they're playing it very close to the vest as to how the business was going to work, uh, what the what the metagame was going to be. But their focus was very much on having a really kinetic, fast paced uh, tactical RTS that actually minimized base building. Uh, so it was a bit more of a of a. Uh, you know, multiplayer online battle arena type game. Uh, you know, somewhere between like World in Conflict and Command and Conquer uh, in terms of simplicity and and uh, multitasking. But so it seemed like they they were very much focused on creating re- a, a really satisfying uh, explosive RTS that you know you could jump in, you'd be playing, you could be playing single player missions that required a lot of coordination and uh, there was a lot of pushback from the way the mission was constructed. And then there was also going to be a solid. Uh, you know, a solid versus mode in faction warfare. So, so they seem they seem to be moving in a positive direction with that. They definitely they definitely weren't looking at it as well. You know, we're going to build a game around a business model necessarily. It looked like they pretty much had the game they wanted to make, and they were still trying to figure out exactly how they were going to get people to pay for it. Well, I'm I'm pretty excited because I think they do have the right idea from the gameplay model. You know, part of the problem with Age of Empires Online is they're they're basically just doing Age of Empires two slash three and trying to cram this business model around the edges, and uh, I don't feel it's a good fit. Whereas End of Nations is very much using Command and Conquer's four Command and Conquer four's model. Uh, and I feel Command and Conquer 4, for the problems I had with it, which included the unlocking, was a fundamentally sound game design. Uh, and, and that arena model applied to an RTS, I, I felt, worked v- very well. And I can see that working well in End of Nations also. You know, I think they have a lot of, they have a few different options for how they can monetize it, uh, that I think will not be as poor a fit as Age of Empires Online. 
So I'm looking forward to seeing what, what they're doing. Uh, and I, I think that this can pick up the slack where maybe Age of Empires Online uh, failed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll find that the core RTS format that we're used to, um, you know, it's... It's something that appeals to a certain type of player and appeals to them very strongly, but it's not one that really um, travels well. You know, it doesn't travel to consoles very well. You know, it's not going to travel to other business formats well. You know, the, the game design, like, you know, like Tom said, like you can't just take that, that you know, standard game, standard RTS game design and plunk it into a free-to-play game. You know, it's not going to work. Stuff has to change. So, Tom, earlier you said you wanted to touch on the multiplayer before we uh, closed out the show. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. So, so, <laughs> uh, I was on the opposite end of the equation that I think you guys found yourself on. The, the day the game, uh, came out, I hit that PvP. I went to that little PvP building and I, uh, jumped into the matching. Uh, I think at that point my city was level 23 or something like that. Um, and I found a game and I started playing. Now, I'm not super good at RTSs. I know the basics. I had played a fair amount of the age games. I knew how to manage my peons. I was, I knew my hotkeys. I'd even rebound a few of them. Uh, so I was a kind of minor power user, maybe. You, you could characterize me that way. So I'm playing the game, and I've got my camel archers. I've been focusing on them. So I figure this poor guy that I'm pitted against, and I don't think you get any information about who you're playing against. Uh, you don't see his level... Uh, you so see, you see the level. The upper left. You do. That's, yeah, the oh, you know what? It's in the upper corner. It's in the corner. And I actually did not know that at the time. I only learned that after this game. So I figure, okay, I'm just going to build some camel archers as soon as I can, and I'm just going to run over there and kill a bunch of his villagers. That's a, it's a classic way to win an RTS. You just hit the guy's economy early on. So I uh, built some camel archers. I rushed over there and was confronted with this huge swarm of basic infantry. Uh, and he killed a bunch of my guys. I fell back, and what followed was this long 30-minute game where I kept building guys and throwing them at him, and he would just have this wall of basic infantry. And eventually he started driving me back. I was running out of places to get gold. He started hitting me from different sides. I couldn't afford to get more cavalry out. He started building towers around the edges of my base so that I couldn't leave it. <laughs> uh, and I kept cranking out. One of the, one of the huge... Uh, sort of turning points in Age of Empires Online is once you can get a fortress out, they recruit units much more quickly than the basic barracks, stables, or archery house, whatever you call it. So I was trying to quickly uh, crank replacements out of my fortress. He was hemming me in with these towers, and he eventually typed in, uh, you, you know, he eventually, I saw in the chat in the lower window, okay, good game, and he just quit. And at that point, I could see the map. This guy was really good. He had done a fantastic job with his economy, with getting villagers out. However, he had just hit level 5 to play multiplayer, and he typed in something like, well, I could only build three types of units. You know, he only had the basic injury. This guy was way better at this game than me. He had a great economy going. He, he, had, he knew that whole thing about expanding your troop production bandwidth. You know, he had multiple barracks going. That's where I invariably fail in an RTS. Uh, this guy was way better than me. And I, I should have lost that game. Uh, and simply because I played it more than him, I ended up winning. Uh, and I feel that's what, you know, this isn't at this point a game about skill. It's a game about how much time you've put into it. 
And once you put in equal amounts of time, then the skill equation might come into play. But I just really felt bad that I won a game against a guy who was way better than me, who deserved those Spartan points way, way more than I did. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting the term you use that you beat him because you played it way more than he has. That's that's a it's a very normal thing to say, and usually what it means is, you know, you have more experience with the game, you're better at the game, right? But you mean literally, just right. you know, right. it gave you your your you know, your magical points, and that gave you stuff that prevented him from beating you. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've yeah. definitely. I mean, I've had some humbling experiences where I've have you know a, a, a several level advantage. And so I start building like a diverse army that has, you know, a, a mix of cavalry and archers and infantry and some higher level units. And yeah, I go and I'm like, all right, this is a pretty good, well-balanced force. You know, I'm ready for whatever. And I mean, this happens with the Egyptians all the time <laughs> where, you know, what you're not ready for is the absolute like mob. It's like it's like army ants just pouring out after you. And, you know, I mean, a good RTS player. You know they, you know they can just crush you with that weight of numbers, and I've definitely run into that because as the Greeks, I actually lean very heavily on infantry. So when I go up against a low-level Egyptian player who's good, uh, the Egyptian player is just going to churn out. I think it's like what is it like, uh, like javelin throwers, or they've got they've got some anti- slingers. Yeah, they've got some sort of anti-infantry specialist that, in enough numbers, there's nothing I can do. Uh, you know, what I need is just a mob of cavalry to go after them. So I've definitely had a lot of humbling right. games where it's like, oh, okay, you know, I could I could beat this guy with, you know, one arm tied behind my back. And then well, I'm just up against, I just run into a human wave. And I wonder, too, like, are there balance issues there? I don't pretend to know, but that... That whole idea of just uh, an overwhelming mob of slingers, of like ranged attack units, uh, you know, I don't, I don't begin to know whether or not it's balanced, but yeah, it does seem like that's an effective way, you know, just build one unit, a, whole, a bazillion of them, and throw them and see where that gets you. And I hate to see that at the end of such a an economically complicated game as, as Age of Empires Online. Yeah, uh, and then the the, <laughs> the tricky thing is, is, I think, I think Tom, what you saw in that first day is probably something that is probably going to be happening less and less with time, right? Because the people who are really good right. at age games pretty soon are going to have levels and they're going to naturally be higher than the other players who aren't as good and are coming in at a lower level. So I think it's going to be rarer and rarer that the more talented players have a lower level. So that's a pretty interesting well, what matchup. You know, the the less... the the high level less talented player versus the more talented low level player but like how you know how much often is that ever going to happen and the reverse right. case and, and is they, a landslide right and they, they are retri- restricting like the the ranked multiplayer which is where i think a lot of these people will go you can't get in that until you're you're level 25 and with a level cap of 40 that means you know you you've hit the fourth age you've you've basically made your decisions on the tech tree and from there it's just diversifying which options are available to you so it, it does seem like they want to keep those players kind of firewalled from people who are just just ramping their cities up. Uh, you know, we've been awfully mean to the game, but I do want to point out a couple of things that I really like what they've done. And one of them is the hard counters. Even though bazillion slingers uh, are a force to be reckoned with, the, the countering system in this game is, is a lot harder than it is... I think, in the regular Age of Empires Online. You know, if you look at how quickly... This was a kind of a shift for me, as I would be fighting elephants, and I'd be like, oh, God, these guys are terrible. You know, elephants are overpowered. Nerf elephants. But then I realized, you know, my camel cavalry... Camel riders, they're called. They're, they're cavalry counters. Elephants count as cavalry. When I saw how quickly 
elephants melted to camel riders. I was like, okay, well, they're, they're really stressing the, the unit counters as part of the balance, more so than, than a lot of RTSs. Uh, so I like I like that. Don't you think that would have, that would create problems um, if like let's say like for me with uh, Age of Kings? Mm -hmm. I mean I, I didn't really play the game online, but I played it a ton. We played that a ton of Fraxis basically. You know there was like eight or nine of us that mm -hmm. you know, will play the game every day at lunch. Um, and the thing is if 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 everyone knew that I've upgraded my sieve to be the cavalry sieve, which is probably what I would do because that's you know, I, I prefer taking cavalry out, going killing killing vill villagers. That's what I like to do. Then you know. Everyone, I mean, I, they know if they're playing me already, they should build spearmen. But if they know that my best, you know, my best right. units, like the way the way I've upgraded my units, are my horses, like it's just if if the counters are stronger, isn't that make it just that much easier to take that away from me? And I mean, in anonymous, well, once, in anonymous matches, it won't, might not matter much. But if you want to play with specific groups of friends, I would think that'd be a big problem. Well, first of all, in, in Age of Empires Online, until you hit level 40 and you have everything unlocked, it's a huge problem. Because, I, you know, my camel riders, that's the main unit that I was emphasizing. I was spending my points giving them the improvements. Uh, so if if you and I were playing Soren and you knew that my city wasn't maxed out and you knew how much I loved camel riders, you're just going to build your spearmen and I'm screwed and the game's over before it's even started. Uh, so so it's specifically with Age of Empires Online, that's a, that's a, that's a problem that they have. Uh, however, on a more philosophical level, I love that, that meta-guessing game. That, to me, when I talk about that web of possibilities, that's what is so exciting to me. The moment an RTS starts up, and I'm looking at my five villagers in my town center, and I'm thinking, where am I going to send I mean, them? I, I really want to buy the unlocked version of this game. You know? Yes. It's a good game. I do, too. And, and that's why, I, <laughs> and that's why I want to talk about some of the nice things that it does. I like the hard unit counters so that a lot of the game isn't decided in the tactically fiddly part, but it's decided at the strategic decision-making part. And I love that about it, and I love that they've done that by making the hard unit counters matter e even more. Yeah. Uh, you, know what, you know what else is really good? The, I, the, the art, the, yep. the, uh, the graphics tech, and the UI is all, is all very well done. And it, it's, inter very, and very, it's very, very interesting done. because I, I look at the art, and I'm curious, could they have made the game look like this back in the days of Age of Mythology? Right, because it seems like the success of the art is largely a success of art design, and not necessarily you know just pushing a bunch of polys, right? Um, which I think is just a sign of like how far ensemble has come. You know that that that's or sorry, okay, stop calling them ensemble. <laughs> wow, you know, uh, but I don't know what else how to you know ensemble slash robot has come. I mean, just that they've you know this is like you know their third try at this type of you know 3D RTS, and um, you know I. I you know, it's just it shows that they're a master of their craft if they can make you know a game look this good without, as far as I can tell, something that's very technically demanding. Well, you know what I, I have to say though, Soren, I think they deserve huge, huge credit for Age of Mythology, which looked fantastic at the time. I think in ways it still holds up, but that was a game with uh, with amazing art design. You know, the graphics technology wasn't as good as we see now sure. in Age of Empires Online, but the ensembles just showed they they were just ingenious with the art design in Age of Mythology, and I think this is a this is up there with what they did with Age of Mythology. There's so much personality in the animation in those cartoony right. graphics. Well, I'm not uh, looking. I, I just yeah, love I'm not the really visuals. looking to slag Age of Mythology, but I mean, I, I think if you compare them next to that, next to each other, I mean, this this game looks significantly better, um, and especially in especially in action. Well, but but I well, I've, I've got a dissent. Well, I just want to say I think that's more a function of 
I, I do too, because I think that what Soren you're saying that's more a function of of graphics engines rather than art design. The the animation age mythology is fantastic. Well, no, Rob, I mean, get in I, here, I, descent. I, I did play them side by side because the thing about Age of Empires Online is it makes you really it makes you really hanker after a proper age game. Uh, so when I wasn't <laughs> when I was when I wasn't obligated to review uh, Age of Empires Online, I actually fired up Age of Mythology again and had another you know uh, week with that uh, playing it with my girlfriend MK. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things about the graphics that that haven't that haven't aged well. I mean, like some of the villagers are they're they're very like pixely blobs now, and the interface the interface I say justly gets credit in Age of Empires Online. That is a very good interface. The information is presented cleanly, but it also doesn't get in the way. Uh, I enjoy that very much. But I, you know, I I have to be honest. First of all, I do not like the art uh, at all. Uh, in in part because it's in online. In, in online, you mean? In part because it, it's it's a style that I feel has become sort of very common. Uh, you know, the, the adorably foreshortened buildings, the the bright uh, primary colors. Uh, you know, the all the angles are slightly askew. It's all it's all very cartoony, and that is a style I've seen over and over again. Uh, so at this point, I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little fed up. In RTSs, though, not so much in RTSs. Mostly, I mean, the only the only ones I can really think of who who've really worked in that in that style would be Blizzard. Uh, but well, and Team Fortress. I think Team Fortress is another example of that. That kind. Uh, well, of style. I mean, you could look at you could look at the number of Facebook games that look that way. Or it also made me think of Zeus. You know, the old city builder, right? I mean, that looked pretty similar. I mean, but uh, I mean, right, that's right. that's sort of an aesthetic judgment. I mean, like I, right. I actually I actually wasn't too keen on the way the game looked until I saw it in action. Somehow, when I saw it actually play in action. Uh, I thought it looked really, really good. I think um, I think I and, was uh, I was kind of predisposed against the art because by that point, like it's it was starting to grate on me how much how much of this was a grind and the way it would not let me have challenging missions. It was forcing me to go through this. Now you're going to chop down trees and build buildings, which is just excruciating after you've already been playing for an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, but what, so what, the way that combined with the art was the, this game that goes out of its way to be non-threatening. You know, it's don't be scared of an RTS, little girl. You know, this is this is an RTS that your mom can play, and it's just it, I don't know something something about that art combined with the way the game unlocks everything about it started to seem sort of like condescending and packaged for you know the RTS for people who don't know any better or don't or don't like RTSs. So all of that all of that sort of came came together so that I had a bit of revulsion to the way the game worked. And then the art just kind of double underlined that, <laughs> and so that's that's kind you know, of Rob, where I'm at. I, I love, I just love, love, love the fact that I'm not the grumpiest old man on this podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was fully expecting that no one would be able to outgrump me, and I think you've done it. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. I hate your cartoon graphics, but that's a fair point. I mean, well, there is a fair point. Like, if if you're sufficiently angered enough at the game, then those those graphics might not be endearing. They might just be even more annoying. Right. So fair enough. But okay, uh, so let me throw this at you. What, go ahead. No, go on. What what do you guys feel? I, I was very pleasantly surprised with the the tactical AI, like as far as how I felt my units were doing. If I left them alone, there's a, there's an option to tell them to hold ground. Uh, with the interface, I don't think this is something that casual players know. But from playing a lot of Age of Empires Online three, it was easy for me to select all units and then just pull out my priests and hold them back. Like some of that is fiddly, but for the most part, I really liked how if I just had a blob of units, I could 
pretty easily manage them, and they wouldn't do too many stupid things to get themselves killed. I was I was very pleased with the tactical that's, AI. That's been sort of a feature of the Age of Empires games, though, wouldn't you say? I mean, they've they've always been good at formation keeping and rules of engagement. I think this keeps yep. up that tradition. But I, I love that. I, I love have being able to band select a ton of units and have them fall into some sort of intelligent order as opposed to walking in a blob. And and shift or control clicking the different tabs to like pull out your archers and pull them back. Like I I love that feeling that once the battles joined, that I I can still get in there and mess with little little particular things, and the units weren't fighting me, and the interface wasn't fighting yeah. me. I mean it's uh, it's it's interesting. I think only only if they got a developer like you know Ensemble slash Robot to do this could they get all of these details right, which is you know I can't. Well, and ga- gas powered. I think gas powered with Supreme Commander Two is amazing at that as well. I think gas powered also deserves some credit there. Well, you know, so so I think I haven't deli- I haven't delivered my final verdict on a game, which might might be might seem uh, risible after hearing me uh, you know speak the way I have uh, about it so far. But what I, what I really want to get to, you know, the next time I write about the game is really what is what what is the game when you can get all this leveling crap behind you. You know, and get 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 that unlocked higher level game. You know, what's how good is the RTS behind here? And I suspect it's it's very good. And it sort of seems like we're we're all on the yeah. same page, which is there's a good game here. And actually, with surprisingly few, with surprisingly simple tweaks, you could unearth that good game and make that much more accessible to players. Right now, the big problem is Age of Empires Online sort of screens off that good game and makes you go through an awful lot to unearth it. It becomes an, it becomes video game archeology. span Well, it, it reminds me of sort of the, the issue of like world of Warcraft battlegrounds. Like I know world of Warcraft battlegrounds only in name, right? Like I have never played them at all. I understand that there's like an interesting game there. A lot of people are into them, but like literally from where I am sitting right now to being able to play them, it would require what 200, you know, I don't know. 40, 80 hours of investment, or I'm going to go buy a character, or, you know, I don't know, whatever. But, like, it's this game that may be fun, but it's, like, literally locked away from me. It's a game I can never play, like, until I'm willing to, like, do something, you know, that's, like, almost external to that game. And that's that's the real shame here. Do you know what I mean? The difference is you get to play a fun World of Warcraft game on the way to Battlegrounds. <laughs> you, you don't get that option in Age of Empires Online. Yeah. <laughs> I do wish one of the ways, too, that I think they could have made it, but I, I think a missed opportunity, is the co-op play. You know, there's always a co-op, almost always a co-op button before you start a mission. Uh, and when again, when I first started playing and, and wasn't really clear what I was in for, I was like, that's kind of cool. You know, uh, Red Alert 3, another RTS that I hated, was built around every single mission being playable co-op, and that mitigated how awful the game was a little bit. Uh, but I, I feel that that button down there, what it does is when you press it, you're then waiting for someone to – I think it launches a message in a chat window, and you have to click on the message and join someone's game. Uh, it's just not very well integrated, and it's hard to join a friend of yours. Like, Soren, you were asking before, hey, let's play some co-op, but if you're not at the same level and you have to be on the same server and you both have to have the same quest and even then only one of you gets the reward and the chest you have to fight over, I just feel like – they could have mitigated how awful the game was somewhat <laughs> by letting me share that misery <laughs> with a friend in a way. Yeah. Uh, and I feel that's a missed opportunity. Uh, that elite button right down there near co-op, there's a button that says elite. 
Uh, and I kept trying to go back to earlier missions, click elite, and then play them, thinking, okay, now I'll get bigger rewards. Now I'll level faster. Now I'll get better items. Um, but I never got to the point where I could beat a mission on elite, and I'm thinking that's something that you don't do until your city maxes out, I guess. Uh, but both of those buttons, I love them down there, and I just feel like those were kind of missed opportunities. Can well, you play with your friends? Like, I mean, can you do co- – because, like, you just click co-op, right? And then what happens? Like, I, I only tried it once. Well, you can join I a party. I only tried it once, and, like, I never found anyone. Well, actually, it's – the way it works – If you're in a party, like, if Rob and I are – go well, ahead. It's, what it's actually doing, the, those buttons are, are kind of – the buttons are kind of a lie. Because what they're actually doing is they're putting you in a party. Uh, <laughs> so both PvP and co-op is they, – they match you with a party, and now you're a gaming group. So that just sort of gives you a direct line to do that with strangers. Uh, so, so, so if you were if you were a party ahead of time, system. so if we were already in a party, the co-op would work fine. But then that's the problem where if Rob doesn't have the quest, he doesn't get the quest reward. Uh, we still have to fight over the little chests. Well, um, and, you know, I will I will say as good as the UI is in the game, I find the UI pretty poor in the meta game. Like yes. I was just completely baffled for in in my home city how all that stuff was was working and everything was going to fit together. I mean, it doesn't help that it's yeah. so complicated, but. There was there was very little there to help me with help me work my way through there. Um. And another huge oversight I feel, and it's part of the metagame, After playing a PvP game, there is no debriefing. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like traditionally, yep. after a PvP game, you want to see how, how many villagers did he have, how close was I to winning, how badly did I lose. What a colossal oversight! Yeah, that's weird to not include anything. Yeah, it's I mean, really I, I surprising. Gasped when that yeah, happened. It's really surprising they got that wrong. I mean, you'd, you'd figure they just have some old code lying around that does that automatically at this point. <laughs> or, or terrifyingly, they got well, I it love right that and threw it out because it's too serious. Well, they did get it right in Age of Empires 3. You know, there, there was, it would give you little awards. It would give everybody, uh, an award for most valuable player in different categories. And then there were different screens and there were graphs you could break down. And I'm assuming that they've, I, I don't know, maybe they don't have that code laying around anymore. It would be but, fairly easy to have a, a, an innocuous screen that comes up that gave just some, some basic stuff. And then all the scary stuff could be hidden on tabs for the, you know, players like us. I mean, it seems yeah, pretty yeah. easy. Boy, Tom, you know, I don't know. I think I still feel you're giving me a run for my money in terms of who's who's the biggest grumpus uh, with, with this game. Uh, you're, you're much cheerier about it, as is your way. But we both have, we both have a laundry list of objections to just about every decision they made with this game, except the core RTS, uh, which in, in a better world would be the game where we we would be discussing, you know, by by itself. Basically, that's the game we could focus on. And I would love, I hope down the road we'll get to focus on that. I mean, I really hope that there is some, uh, this is a little bit presumptuous of me, but I would like to think that there's some soul searching going on there at Microsoft. And, you know, by the end of this year, when they've got four factions, there will be some way for us to sit down and play Age of Empires Online with four unlocked factions. And then if we're digging the game, we can put put some money into it. Uh, you know, if that ever happens, I I look forward to playing it. I mean, this is this is kind of what everyone has been afraid of with free-to-play games, right? That there could be this good game, but you're kind of like essentially locked away from it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, I'm afraid it's going to become sort of a po- poster child for that fear, unless something big changes. Well, that about does it for our discussion of Age of Empires Online uh, for now. Hopefully, you know, in in the coming months, we'll have cause to bring it up again, and perhaps in a more positive light. And hopefully, it'll become, in fact, a turnaround story. Uh, because as we've said, there's, there's a lot of clear fixes, uh, that we can see to, to change the course of a game like this. Uh, 
But in the meantime, we're going to have to bring it to a close for tonight. Uh, as always, thank you both for a fantastic discussion. Uh, I've had an absolute blast, and this has definitely been a game that I've been dying to talk about uh, with some with some like-minded individuals. So uh, thanks for being on the show tonight, guys. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, and I'm very disappointed I couldn't get anyone a coffee. <laughs> Maybe next time. I think that's my job now, actually. That's, that's right. Our, our, our new intern, <laughs> so, he makes the coffee and donut runs. Uh, Soren, uh, black, no sugar. Okay. I'll be sure to forget. All right. So as always, uh, our thanks to Michael Hermes for producing this monster of an episode. And uh, my thanks to you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, uh, feel free to retweet it or uh, rate us and review us on iTunes. That's that's always a big help. Uh, we take that feedback very seriously. So uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, but that'll do it for us tonight. Uh, thank you. And say good night, everybody. GG. <laughs> yeah, good night. Good night, everyone.